He is perfect in all of his ways. Open your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 8, verse 12. As you're turning there, we're going to be looking this morning as we're continuing through the study of Romans, the foundation of our faith. We're looking now at what it is to be a believer. We've looked at that there are sinners and that we are sinners and that we are only changed by the work of God through the death of his son and us accepting that. It's a choice that we have to make. And now we've gotten to the point understanding that and that sin leads to a death, a separation from God, as well as a physical death and a condemnation to hell because of what the sin requires according to the law. But praise God that God is good in all that he does. And he provided a salvation, he provided a way. And we looked last week at there was no condemnation for those who were in Christ Jesus, for those who were led by the Spirit. And today I want us to look at some of the benefits of what it is to be a believer. Paul is writing here to the church in the Roman area. He's writing to those believers. We're going to see in just a moment that he begins by saying, so then brethren. So we understand that he's writing to the believer and he's telling them how great their God is and what we have because of what God is. So I entitled today's message, We Are, understanding that we standing for the believer. And we're going to look at three things that we are and three things that we get because of God. If you would please stand in honor of God's word and follow along. Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse 12. So then brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs, also heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Father God, I thank you so much this morning for your word. Father, for the promises of your word. Father, for the motivation of your word. Father, for seeing what we are in Christ And not in ourselves. Because Father you've given us a clear picture of what we are in ourselves. And that's sinners that are condemned. But Father that we're in your family. We're part of the family of God as believers in you. Would you speak through me now? Would you help me in the flesh to step aside? And would you just anoint and feel me for speaking your message this morning? And Father for those that are here. Father, those that are listening, Lord, would you soften our heart right now? Father, there's things in our life that cause our hearts to be hardened. And Father, I just pray that you would be able to step in and soften that, that we can sense the Spirit moving. Father, that you would open our ears, that we could hear him. Lord, as your word says, Father, open our eyes that we can behold wonderful things from your law. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen 
Amen. You may be seated. Paul has began here, as I said, so then brethren, he's talking to the brethren. He says, we're not under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. What's he talking about? Because we have received Christ as believers, we are no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer obligated to follow the father of sin, which is Satan. Before Christ came in, we were under the rulership or the fathership of Christ, or excuse me, of Satan, and we had to follow him. But when Christ comes in, he changes us, he gives us a new life, and we no longer have to do those things because we've been set free from those things. We no longer live according to the flesh. He says, if you're living according to the flesh, then you're dying. But if you're living by the Spirit, then you're alive. See there at verse 13. For if you are living according to flesh, you must die. But if the spirit you're putting to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. So understanding now that as brethren, as believers in Christ, there are three great things that Paul points out that we have. And the first one is we are sons of God. We are sons of God as believers in him. And let me stop right here and clarify something. Because there are some people, I know not in this sitting, some people have a problem with sons of God. They say we should be children of God. We should be this or we should be that. It should be non-sexed. Let me tell you, it is very vital, important. That we are sons of God. Yes, women, you can be sons of God. And why is that so important? Why did he put sons of God in this text in the day that Paul was writing? Because sons were the only one that could inherit anything. Sons were the only one that could be an active part in what was going on in their father's business. So if you don't want to be a son, then you can just step out and not be an heir to anything that we're going to look at in a moment. So it's very important. He says says there, verse 14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Those who are being led. What is being led? Now I want us to start there this morning to understand that, to see how great our father is because you see he's a a good good father and he loves us we're not slaves when Jesus talked about the sheep us being his sheep he said the sheep hear my voice the sheep knows my voice and he leads them through green pastures it doesn't say he beats them and makes them conform It doesn't say that he drug them to the green pastures. You see, he's leading them. When God comes in, it's a a term of endearment. We can say as he leads us and he guides us and he directs us. You see, he could beat us into conformity, but that wouldn't be a good, good father, would it? It wouldn't be a loving father. But our Father loves us and he leads us. But this verse 14 says, for all who are being led. You know, there's some sheep we read in there about the 99 and the 1. One of them chose not to be led. We don't have to follow. See, that's the thing that's good about God. He leads, 
But he doesn't demand, he doesn't command. It says that for all who are being led. This is an active, ongoing thing. We are being led by him. Let's look at Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. It says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What is that talking about? It says that we don't have to follow, but if we don't follow, we grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, the moment we accept Christ, Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. God comes and lives inside of us. We become that tabernacle of God that moves around and he leads us and he gently guides us. He knows the path that he has. It's a good path he wants us to go down, but we don't have to follow. You might know someone who doesn't follow. But it tells us that if you're living solely to the flesh, that you're dead. But if you're living according to the Spirit, you're letting him lead you that you are sons of God. That's very important. Look there at verse 15. It says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. For you do not, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. What is that talking about? What what does he mean? That when Christ comes and indwells in us, And we accept Christ through faith as the only one that we have met the requirement, which is to receive. God has paid the price. We're no longer obligated to sin. We're no longer obligated to the punishment of God. God declares us righteous. We no longer live by the slavery of sin. We no longer have to fear the wrath of God. You know a non-believer, we've talked about them being uh, uh, not at peace uneasy, unrested, because they're under the wrath of God. And as a lost person, the wrath of God is death and separation from him and separation and eternal hell forever. But as believers, as those sons of God, we inherit a new spirit. It's a spirit of adoption to God. We don't have to walk around every single day fearing, is God going to strike me down? Is God going to pull off his belt and just whip my hiney till there ain't nothing left? You know, there are people who live like that. There are people who believe God is sitting on his throne just waiting for you to make a mistake so he could zap you with a bolt of lightning. But as believers, God has already declared you righteous. He's declared you holy. He's declared you to be a son of God. I mean, who else's son would we want to be but the son of the God who has perfect love and who has created us? And he says here that as those sons of God, we don't have the fear, but we've had the spirit of adoption. Now, let me just point out to you, that's very important too. We don't fully understand. We understand today the process of adoption. 
Uh, you pick out a child or a child's given to you. You go to the lawyer and then you go to the judge and they go through all that and they declare them adopted. But in the day that Paul was writing, this adoption meant a lot more. I've read that in the adoption back in their day, when they were adopted, you could not ever get rid of that son or that daughter. They were always part of your family, no matter what you did. They always had to receive an inheritance. In reading in this and studying on this adoption, it was a process where the original father would go before the magistrates and there would be a symbol, there would be silver or gold and a set of scales. And the original father would buy the son once, through symbolism. He would buy it twice through symbolism, but the third time the father would not buy the son, showing that he no longer owned him. And then the adopted father would step in and he would purchase that son. You see, adoption was so important in their day because that's where the line of airship would come from. Nero was adopted for the purpose that he could take over the throne. Let me read this to you about adoption out of the 21st century biblical commentary series. It says, but it is the consequences of adoption that are most significant for the picture that is in Paul's mind. There were four main consequences. Listen to these consequences of adoption that they would have understood when this was written. Number one, the adopted person lost all rights in his old family and gained all the rights and fully legitimate son in his new family. In the most literal sense and in the most binding legal way, he got a new father. Now let me just pause right there. What does that mean to us? We've received the spirit of adoption. Well, what they would have understood and what that means here for us is we've lost all rights. Satan no longer has a right to us. Amen? We've lost all rights of the old family and we've gained rights of a fully legitimate son. We're now a son in God's family. Number two, it followed that he became heir to his father's estate. Even if other sons were afterwards born who were real blood relationship. It did not affect his rights. He was inalienably a co-heir with them. We become an heir to God's kingdom. Everything that God has, we become an heir to. We're going to be co-heirs with Christ. We're going to look at that in just a moment. Three, In law, the old life of the adopted person was completely wiped out. For instance, legally, all debts were canceled. They were wiped out as if they had never been. The adopted person was regarded as a new person entering into a new life with which the past had nothing to do. Amen. What a thing it is to be adopted. You see, according to what they would have understand and what happens to us when we're adopted, our old life is completely wiped out. Our legal obligation to death is wiped out. Our legal obligation to Satan is wiped out. Satan no longer has us. Our sins, our past are all gone. And we have nothing to do with the old life and everything to do with the new life. 
and forth. In the eyes of the law, the adopted person was literally and absolutely the son of his new father. As believers, we have a new father that will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He loves us. He gave his son for us. So we are sons of God if we are willing to be led by the Spirit. When the Spirit comes to live in us, we're led by the Spirit. And I love this here where it says, a spirit of adoption there at verse 15, as sons which we cry out, Abba, Father. Let me tell you, when Paul wrote this, this would have rocked their world. The foundation that they stood on as Jews would have shook right out from underneath them. What do I mean by that? What is Abba, Father? Today we might say, Daddy. So personal. It's an intimate and enduring call. You see, there's a lot of fathers in this world. There are a lot of men in this world. There might be some dads but a daddy. To the Jewish people, why do I say that wrong? They so revered God as holy that they wouldn't even pronounce his name. They wouldn't even write it all the way out. And now you're going to talk about calling him daddy? You see, that's what we get. We get a personal, intimate, relationship with God Almighty. Paul is telling them that you come to the Father, you're led by the Spirit, you become his sons, you become connected to him. But not only that, it tells us in verse 16 that we're children of God. You see, we're sons of God. We come into the family through adoption, but we are children of God. Look there at verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit within us speaks and testifies within ourselves that we're connected to God. That we're children of God. What is it to be a child of God? Well, what is it for parents to have children? Number one, most of the time and hopefully all the time, the parent loves the child unconditionally you see our God he loves us unconditionally we love our children unconditionally parents children do things that hurt you they can be rebellious at times they can hurt you they can say ugly things about you that can hurt you they can distance themselves from you and that hurts you but you still love them. They can try to disown you, but you still love them. See, that's what it is, is we're children of God. There's times we make God sad. We grieve the Holy Spirit. But God still loves us because we're his child. He loves us regardless it doesn't matter what happens. God still loves us as his children. And you know what else? Not only that, but as parents to the children, obligation to provide for them. God provides for us. He provides a love letter. He provides his word for us. 
He provides finances for us. He gives us the health and the ability to work and to get finances. He provides food for us. It tells us in God's word that we will never be without what we need. See, it's important to be a child of God. We are children of God. Also, as a child, we protect our children. Do you protect your children? I hope you do. God protects us. There are times that God has to correct us, yes. Have you ever corrected your child? Well, of course you did. Why? Not because you hated them, because you cared about them, because you loved them. Don't touch the hot stove. Well, they can choose to go touch the hot stove and they're going to learn real quick why you told them that. Well, the same thing for us. You know, there's sometimes that they want to be disobedient and a child needs correction. I'm sorry with what the world says today that you can't do that. Yes, you can. The Bible even tells us that we have an obligation and a responsibility to correct our children. Now, I will say on that note, there is a difference between correcting and beating. We do not beat our children But there are times that a child might need a spanking. There's a time that a child needs correction or otherwise they don't learn. What happens when we go through a world that children never learn the word no? And they never learn that there's something wrong and there's a consequence for that. You know, that's exactly where our world is heading today. And the problem with that is, is a world that lives that way will be a world that has fewer and fewer people coming to the knowledge of Christ because they don't understand that there is consequences for disobedience. But as children of God, he loves us. He's there. He, He provides for us. And then let's look, lastly, we're heirs of God. We are heirs of God. Look there at verse 17. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Heirs. We hear this all the time today. Someone dies And there's a will, and the will gets read, and in that will, the heirs receive things. Well, in an adoption, the adopted child in their day had to receive something. You know, in today's different states have different laws. Some say that you can do this or that. Some say you have to give all your children some. You know, the only law that I know of for sure, especially in Louisiana, is if you have a handicapped child, you have to be able to provide for them. But you see, the real term of adoption is we become heirs or co-heirs with Christ. Scripture tells us that as co-heirs with Christ, we suffer with Christ. You know, Christ suffered. He suffered because he was God's son, because he was perfect. Well, today, when we live a Christian life, when we're allowing ourselves to be led by the Spirit, we're going to go through some difficult times. We're going to have people who don't like us. You're going to have people who call you names. You're going to have people say you're a Bible thumper. You're going to have people say all kinds of things. You might miss out on a promotion because you don't fit in the group that goes out and drinks. You might miss out on stuff. We are persecuted as Christians today probably more than we realize. But as co-heirs, we have the assurance. We have the assurance 
that we're going to be heirs with Christ. Heirs to everything God has. We're going to be heirs to the kingdom of God. Amen. We're going to be children that are allowed in the home and never kicked out. We're going to be heirs to the power. We're going to be heirs to ruling. Everything that Christ is an heir to, we become a fellow heir or a co-heir. It tells us there at 17, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Christ is going to be glorified. I was reading in the one thing I love, we're co-heirs to everything that Christ is except one thing, and that's the worship. We're going to worship Christ. He's not going to worship us. But everything else, streets of gold, relationship with Christ, being perfect, we're going to be made all new in the hereafter. You know, Galatians 4, 6 through 7 talks about this. Let me read you these couple of verses. Galatians 4 says, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, before Christ came in, we were an heir to be a son of Satan. Which means that he owned us and that he controlled us. And the only thing we had was a life of sin and separation. But because we've received what Christ has done in him, we're heirs. God says you're righteous, you're clean, you're delivered. You're going to be an heir with my son. And he says, I will glorify you. James 2.5. Let me just read to you real quick. James 2.5. says, listen, my beloved brethren. Did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who loved him? We're in the will. We're in what God says that we will receive an inheritance. Because we are adopted sons. As sons of God, we have the right to receive an inheritance. We have a right to be a, a part of the family of God. We have a right to be a part of the father's work. You see in their day the sons were responsible for the father's estate. They had to work it. They had to be active. They had to be a, a part of it. And one day they would inherit that. You see that's what we are as sons of God. We're not just to sit here and do nothing. We're to work God's kingdom. We're to be a, about his business. But it's not for the sake of earning anything. It's for the sake because we belong to him. He gives us the spirit. And the leading of the spirit does all the work. It doesn't say us leading the spirit. But it says the spirit leading us. And we're this heir with him. Verse 15 talked about we cry out, Abba, Father. I know I just read that, but do you know where I think that is the most said, the most sweetest? Is in Mark 14, 36. In Mark 14, 36. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying to the Father right before his arrest and his crucifixion. He's left his disciples over here. 
He's taken those two that were close to him and he brought them over here and he said, pray. And then he goes a little bit further and listen. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is calling out to his daddy. Knowing what's coming. Still calling him daddy. Knowing that it's a perfect will. And he's basically saying, daddy, this is hard. See, Jesus was flesh. He felt what we felt. He had agony. He had pain. He had foreknowledge of what was coming. And he asked, could this be passed from him? God, if there is any other way. Daddy, please. Not this. But he ends it with, but what you will. You see, he's being led by the Spirit. Because he knows that God is a perfect God. God said there was only one way. And that was through his son's death on the cross. So we see that we're sons of God. We're children of God. And we're heirs of God. What great news this morning. Remember we talked in a psalm I read about. We'll tell of the great things of the Lord. The greatest thing in the world. Is that you're a son of God. You have the right to be an heir. We are children of God. We have a God who loves us. A God who provides for us. A God who protects us. And then a God that says we get an inheritance. The greatest inheritance of all. We become co-heirs with Jesus. To the kingdom of God. What better thing there is. Than to be a believer loved by such a great God. Amen. Amen. May you bow your heads. Father, how grateful I am, Lord, for your word. Father, you've spoken to us in the past, Father, and you've made it clear that in the flesh, Father, we're sinners. There's nothing more that we can be. And that, Father, we have an inheritance, and that's a place called hell as unrepentant sinners. Father, you've proven through your word that it doesn't matter what we try to do, we can't do it. There's no way around it. No matter how much we try, no matter how good we are, no matter how much we give, Father, whatever we do falls short of your glory. But Father, you said, I love you enough that I'm going to send my son and he is going to be perfect. He's going to be just like we were, Father. You sent him in the flesh. That, Father, he went to that cross willingly. And, Lord, he died because someone had to die. And your son was perfect. And he become the once and for all sacrifice for us. Lord, all we must do is to receive through faith, confess, 
and allow your son to be Lord and Savior of our life. And then, Father, we become sons of you. We become a, adopted, a permanent legal situation, Father, that permanently puts us in your family and allows us to be your children. And then, Father, as a good, good father that you are, Father, you love your children. You protect your children. And, Father, you provide for your children. And then, Father, you allow us to be co-heirs with your son, Jesus. Father, at one point we were your enemy. The next moment we're a co-heir to your kingdom. Thank you for that, Lord. Church, that's what salvation's all about. Becoming adopted, becoming a son of God, his child and an heir. Have you come there? Are you still hostile toward God or have you surrendered to him? Well, how do I know? Scripture we just read out says that the spirit will testify with our spirit. The spirit will tell you, the Holy Spirit of God will tell you right now if you're a believer or you will feel an uncomfortableness in your life. If you're not a believer saying that you're not and that today is the day. Today is the day. If the Spirit testifies with your spirit and says that everything's good, maybe today is the day you just need to praise the Lord right from where you are. I'm going to give you just a few moments to respond to the Lord this morning. Father God, I just call on you now. Father, I pray that you allow your spirit to come alive in each of us and give us the strength, Lord, to respond to your calling this morning. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. If you would.